0: You're listening to the Strategies at Work podcast for January 2008. In this episode, we sit down with Dr. Chester and discuss the reaction his latest newsletter has received and a general overview of how God views work and how He values His workers. What
1: prompted that newsletter was a visit that I'd made to a company not too long ago um, where I interviewed the management team and we were talking about the business and when I'm in those settings I, I'm always looking to understand where the management team is coming from in other words what their philosophy of business is so I began to probe on that and I heard some very typical things um, uh, really business is all about money um, they were very happy with where they are they were very uh, satisfied that they were doing a great job and they were efficient et cetera. Et cetera. and what I see um, routinely with that type of response is there's a lot of deception in the management team. Uh, But the most fundamental thing is they don't understand what business is all about. They think business is about money but if you go to scripture for example in James 4 verses 13 through 17 it tells you very clearly in that text that business is about discerning the will of God. So business is about discerning the will of God And we know that you cannot worship God and money, then business is about worshiping God. It's about seeking God's will. It's not about money. Money becomes a secondary thing. It's a byproduct of seeking God first. So what what I find in going into companies is that is a very, very typical misunderstanding, even among very well-meaning professing Christians. And this management team, I think, would fit into that category. I think all of them were well-meaning professing Christians who really didn't understand uh, a biblical worldview of business, and therefore they were running the business pretty much like uh, unsaved people. So that was the con- that was basically the newsletter, and one of my clients saw the newsletter and just was com- was terribly convicted by it. I say terribly, that's probably not a good word. He was very convicted by it because he had been through the dot-com bubble and he had seen what it is to build a company around money, the philosophy of business being to make a bunch of money. And it had been a disaster for him. It cost him uh, a a lot of his career and it cost him a lot of money. It cost him a lot of grief to go through that. So he learned that lesson well. And when I when I in the newsletter made the connection that that the root problem of all the things that I saw in this company, all the different uh, aspects that I mentioned in the newsletter, was indeed uh, the worship of money, uh, he he came back and said, "Well, isn't it also education? And that is, that we don't have in the Christian community in the United States, indeed worldwide, we do not have a sense of." of learning biblical principles of business that the average church doesn't teach it Uh, the average Christian home doesn't teach it the average college doesn't teach it even a Christian college doesn't teach it and the reason that's true is that we have a mindset an assumption that we've made that God doesn't care about business and if God doesn't care about business we're not gonna waste any time talking about business we only want to spend our time talking about the things God cares about. So that is the assumption that's made, which is why biblical principles of business are not widely taught. So Brendan's comment to me was, well, was isn't education the problem here? And I think education is a symptom. I think the real root issue is this dualistic mindset that we have where we are, we're basically eliminating God from business by a presupposition that says God doesn't care about business and so the outworking of that is that we have uneducated people out there conducting business but if the opposite is true if God really does care about business then we need to be very serious about studying business from a biblical world view so that's why education is so important
2: Dr. Chester, it's Brenton Soul. good morning, it's 10:15 on Wednesday actually it's Thursday, excuse, excuse. me um, after reading uh, the last gleanings about five or six times now, I wanted to leave you one piece of feedback and uh hope to talk with you about it one day. but you mentioned that uh in this article that the six management errors noted above are all ultimately ca- connected to one issue, the worship of money and though I agree that is a extremely significant point and plays a large part uh in many of these mistakes and uh, uh, errors that are made. Um, i don 't I think you need to uh, not underestimate your role in educating Christians uh, as they 're seeking to build a business with a biblical worldview. I would argue that ignorance is right out there with uh, worship of money. that may be a chosen ignorance men men may have a a general sense of that they 're not doing god 's will or seeking god 's will and purpose in their businesses so i would uh, I would agree that yeah. That, uh, worshiping money may come from that, but ultimately, you know, many of the things that I didn't do in my business had an awful lot to do with several factors, one of which was I just didn't know, uh, the biblical principles that were set forth, uh, that would benefit my running the business ultimately to glorify God. So you play a very significant role in that process as Christian men seek to get a clearer understanding, uh, because that stuff certainly does not come naturally. Uh, if anything, our flesh is really pulling upon us to, to uh, pursue success in the more clearly defined traditional uh, human ways, if you will. Uh, so it takes a lot of hard work, I think, to get into the heart of a man and the spirit of a man and, and get him to recognize the, what God would have them do in terms of running their business. So, Time permitting, we can chat more about it, but I wanted to share that feedback uh, with you briefly. Um, you're performing a wonderful, wonderful service. Um, the more and more I think about your ministry and uh, your business, the more I'm blessed by it. So,
1: I think we all are swimming in the sea uh, of this presupposition that uh, in worship God, we have to do things that are associated with what we perceive to be uh, spiritual things. Um, what we don't understand in all that is that God, who is a spirit being, created everything. So that means that everything ultimately has a spiritual origin. Which means everything ultimately goes back to God, which is why the Scripture says, "You know, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof." And we keep trying to say, "Well, but yeah, it is the the earth is the Lord's." But that doesn't doesn't apply to business. And when we begin to see that the truth of uh, James four thirteen through seventeen that God wants us to to think about business from the standpoint of His will and executing His will, then the question every business owner, every management team, every worker has got to ask is, what is the will of God for this business? And when you begin to do that, you begin to see that God does care about it. If he if He has a will about it, he cares about it. And so we need to be about discerning that will and seeking to do that will. Now that makes everything about obedience to God. And that's one of the great ways that we worship God is we obey him. And so suddenly I can worship God in business. I can worship God at home. I can worship God in, in, in serving in government or wherever I'm assigned because it's always about seeking the will of God and doing the will of God. And so that's, that to me is the real disconnect. And, you know, we've labeled that disconnect dualism because we're, we're, with that, that label we're saying that we are separating out things uh, that we don't think God cares about. In reality, he cares about everything because he created everything. He created every human being. He created every molecule. He created every principle of the universe. You know, everything that that happens and works in this universe, you know, he's had a hand in it. And of course, that raises the whole issue of sin, and that's of course a great enigma for us. We don't understand the nature and origin of sin. We know it exists, and we know that God uses it, even though it can be very ugly at times. But still. He's got his purposes and we've got to let, let God be God. We've got to remember he's incomprehensible in the final analysis and we're never going to fully comprehend what he's about. But we do have a lot of revelation and what we do know we need to act on. And we do know he created everything and he declared that his physical creation was good. You see that in Genesis 1. In fact, at the end of the sixth day, he said it was very good. And we know he created us, according to Genesis 1, 26-28, to rule his physical creation. And so we need to be about that, and we know business is a tool to do that. And we know that when we conduct business, he wants us to seek his will and to do his will. So that's what business ultimately is about. So what does a Christian business look like? It's a business that seeks the will of God, and obviously it lines up with that will of God.
0: So staying on the point of ignorance for just a minute because nobody likes to be told that they're ignorant or nobody likes to discover that they're ignorant until you take the next step, which is the beginning of wisdom, and then you're excited that you discovered that. So somebody that that either doesn't comprehend this at all or might think that to be a Christian business or to be a Christian business person you have to be working in the quote-unquote ministry, what's the first step for them Mentally, spiritually, whatever, to start understanding what you just told us. Well,
1: I think it's very helpful to look at Ephesians 4, where it talks about um, the gifts that that God has given to us, specifically the gifts of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers. And and he tells us those are equipping gifts. These gifts are meant to equip us, and then it says, for works of ministry. And so that means that, for example, if you view the church as the vehicle that God has ordained for equipping, then those gifts should be active in the local church. And those of us that are members of these local churches, we should go to get equipped so that we can go out and do ministry. And our ministry is wherever God has assigned us. As if he's assigned us to run a business or if he's assigned us to be an engineer or to be a scientist or to be a physician or to be an accountant or whatever assignment we have, we should be viewing that as ministry and when you begin to view all work as ministry and ministry means service, you know we I think we've lost sight of what the what the term means, so we we've misused it. It simply means to serve, so we go out into our assignments to serve by doing the will of God in that assignment, so wherever you are, whatever you do as long as it's a legitimate business. And it's it's seeking to, to some degree, line up with God. It becomes a vehicle for you to minister to others and to serve Christ by reflecting him in all that you do in that work. In fact, we're told in Colossians chapter 3 that we're to work as if we represent Christ. Wow, now that, that makes an interesting paradigm shift. You know, most people... That I run into don't have a view of of work as if they represent Christ. Work to them is utilitarian. I got to make money and get out of here as quick as I can and get back to my church because that's where the important stuff is going on. And that's the dualism again. And when you do that, you don't do good work, and the the marketplace doesn't value you, which is why there are many business owners, and employers, and managers that have a policy, if if they know somebody's a Christian, they may, without ever telling you this, be biased against you. They may not want to hire you because they have seen such a bad work, work ethic. But if we're truly working as unto the Lord, and we view our work as an assignment from God, and something God values and is significant, and it's a place to serve Him and, and to obey Him and therefore to worship Him, If we view it that way, then we approach work totally differently. We, Christians, should be the very best workers. And the fact that we're not, and I say the fact that we're not, I would contend that, by and large, Christians are no better workers than anyone else. And if that is indeed true, it's a a
0: testimony
1: to the fact that we do not have God's perspective on work. So
0: somebody that hears this and and thinks to themselves, okay, well, that's fantastic, but I'm just... I'm just middle management. I'm just assembly line worker. I mean, there's nothing I can do that changes the face of the company. That's going through their mind. What would you say to that person? Well,
1: wherever you're assigned, you change the face of your responsibility. You can be a janitor and repairman. You can be you could have be just a lowliest staff person in a company. You have responsibilities and you've been given a, a realm that you have some dominion over, bring the rule of, and reign of God into that area of responsibility. If you're mopping the floor, do a great job. Do it, such a great job that people look at that and they would say, you know, that's the way Christ would mop a floor. That's how you glorify God. And that good work becomes a testimony now to Christ because people are looking at that in amazement. Because it is so superior to what the average person does. Most people mop the floor. It's just, what do I have to do just to get by? But if somebody really takes pride in it to really do an excellent job, that really reflects on the God that they serve. And that's what it—that's what it's all about. Our ministry is serving Christ by doing excellent work and, and reflecting his character and nature in how we conduct that work. So... It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. As long as legitimate work, God-honoring work, you can glorify God. You can worship God. You can minister in that activity.
0: What role then does that place on if somebody thinks evangelism in the workplace is how you be a Christian business person, and that is the ultimate goal of somebody trying to be like Christ in the workplace? How does that all tie together?
1: Well, I think you have to understand what is the ultimate goal in the workplace. And the ultimate goal is to do the will of God. And we say, okay, what is the will of God? Well, if you go back to the, the Great Commission, the Great Commission is not about evangelism. Uh, most people think it's about evangelism, but that's not what it says. The Great Commission is about discipleship. Discipleship is is getting people to look like Christ. It's evangelism is a component of it. It is just one component. It is a, Discipleship is a much broader uh, activity than just evangelism. So if you're beginning to make disciples, what you're doing is you're drawing people to Christ. Well, what is the best way to draw people to Christ? Well, the best way to draw people to Christ is to be a great worker, not to be a great evangelist. In fact, the people that run around uh, companies uh, being lousy workers and passing out tracts usually have no respect at all. The people that have respect and, and get heard and have influence are those that do great work. In fact, Titus 2, 9, and 10 tells us uh, three great points about a biblical theology of work. And and, this, and the points are this. Number one is you show up, and you show up with the right, with you know, completely, you mentally, physically, emotionally, every way you show up. We've all seen people that, you know, we look at them and say that person's out to lunch. Well, that person really isn't showing up. They're physically there, but they're not mentally there, or they're not emotionally there. Well, we're supposed to show up completely. Secondly, we show up with the right heart, and the way you know somebody shows up with the right heart is the way they use their mouth. Okay. And thirdly, we're supposed to show up and subordinate all personal agendas for the good of the whole. Our 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 agenda there is to help that organization accomplish the will of God. God has a will for that organization. Our job is being part of that team of that organization is to help that organization do the will of God. When you are doing those three things, your your boss will look at you and say, you're trustworthy. And then the text says, when you, when you become trustworthy, you make God look good because people will associate you with, with your profession of faith. Whether you ever tell them you're a Christian or not, they will associate you with Christ. And when you're a great worker, it makes Christ look good. And to me, that is the greatest way to evangelize in the workplace, is is go out there and be a great worker. And when you do that, now you have favor. People begin to come to you and want to know what makes you tick. They want to be like you. And that's what discipleship is, is helping people become like Christ. How do I help somebody become like Christ? I become like Christ and i become so attractive to them they want to be like me and by becoming like me they become like christ and so that's the game of discipleship and it should be happening in the workplace in our families in our
0: churches in
1: our communities
0: in the, in the workplace the definition of success is me advancing and uh, getting raises and climbing the corporate ladder number 1 that doesn't seem to line up with Uh, what we're talking about here, but also it puts the emphasis on me and what can I do to get ahead. And what we just heard from the Titus passage is we need to subordinate my goods for the good of the whole, which goes very counterintuitive to how can I work up the corporate ladder? How do we reconcile our definition of success that we have created in our mind or society has given us with trying to be more like Christ?
1: Well, I think there are two things. One is I think we understand what the biblical definition of success is. And and secondly, I think we have to understand that God is intentional in how he made us and what he wants us to do. So let's do the intentionality first. If we believe God's in charge and he's in control, everybody is created with intent and purpose. And that's what's suggested by Ephesians 2.10. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, that word for works there is a, is the word ergon. It's a very broad term. It includes all kinds of work. We tend to take a dualistic hermeneutic uh, to that text, and we say, well, he's talking about evangelism, he's talking about teaching, he's talking about missionary work. No, he's not talking just about that. It includes all that, but it includes everything. Every legitimate work activity, God has ordained people to do them. So, Number one, we have to recognize the intentionality of God. God may make you, uh, made you a middle manager. Okay? If you're made to be a middle manager, don't try to be something else. Be a middle manager. If he made you to be an engineer, be an engineer. When you try to be something that God has not made you to be, you will not have favor to do it. And that will be, that will be a great struggle and difficulty. So when we take on a presupposition that success is being a business owner, for example, And you're not called to be a business owner you will struggle greatly in life you're only going to be content doing what god created you to do because it's the only place you have favor and the only place you have grace to do what you know to work well so intentionality is very important secondly the definition of success that jesus gave us in john 17 4 to me is extremely important to get success is not about money success is not about position Success is not about power or influence. Success is about obedience. He said, Jesus said this. He said, I brought you glory. He's speaking to the Father. I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That is success. Completing the work you gave me to do. Each of us has an assignment to do. Organizations have an assignment to do. So when we begin to get it that the game is about lining up and obeying God individually and organizationally, the question is, where where do I belong? What organization enables me to do what I've been called to do? And then where can what I have to do, what my calling is all about, help an organization fulfill what God's called that organization to do? And when you put those two together, now you have a powerful combination and you have an organization built around people who are walking with God, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in their anointing, doing what God has anointed them to do personally, and then you have the organization fulfilling what God ordained that organization to do as well.
0: Again, based on this idea of, of ignorance, if there's somebody that's out there that hears this and the church they go to doesn't teach this philosophy, as most churches don't, as we're discovered what what do they do i mean what how do they initiate this conversation with their pastor what materials uh, do they start to uh, look into how, how do they change the places that they're getting fed to start looking at this kind of uh, information
1: well first uh, you know if you are getting convicted of the truth of this then you need to become a student of of holistic christianity and that's what this is holistic Christianity is, says that 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 God impacts everything that I do, every decision, every thought, every action, everything ultimately is rooted in him, and I think that is the biblical view of reality is that God drives everything. so if you're convicted that that is indeed true, you need to be st- a student of it. You need to go and start reading uh, you know people that are engaged in trying to understand this. My website is a great source. Of material, there's a lot of uh, newsletters on there that are on, on these topics. There's uh, there's free audios as well as as audio from seminars. There's also my book, Beyond Babel, which is a biblical model for building organizations, and that that model can apply to family, it can apply to, to churches, it can apply to businesses, it can apply to uh, apply to government, In any any place where you bring people together, you need to know God's principles of how organizations function. And that's what that book is about. And then relative to your church leaders and your pastors, uh, you need to start dialoguing with them. Lovingly, kindly, graciously dialoguing with them and, and see where they are in their thinking. It could be a lot of time church leaders have just never thought about it. And when you begin to think about it, it, it resonates with you. So give them a chance to get excited and, and get engaged with you in this journey. And if they don't engage with you, if they continue in a dualistic mindset, then, you know, pray for them. And there may be a point in time where if, if after you've worked hard enough and long enough and you feel that it's just not going anywhere, there may be a transition at some point for you to an environment which is brace, embracing a holistic mindset. So whatever you do, uh, just be gracious and kind and patient with people And know this, that God was graciously revealed to you this truth. Don't begrudge others that don't know it. You know, give them an opportunity, prayerfully walk with them, encourage them, challenge them in a a very gracious way, and you'll be surprised at who the Holy Spirit touches and how over time people begin to see the truth that God does care about everything, including business. Brendan was trying to make the point in his voicemail to me that It it wasn't just the worship of money that was causing this company to have the misunderstanding of what business is all about. And my comment to Brendan uh, was, you know, Brendan was trying to say it was also education to be taught. Well, to be taught, you've got to want to be taught. And that's where the dualism comes in. I, I find a lot of business owners don't want holistic Christianity. They just want to make a bunch of money. And they think... The way they're doing it is the way to do it. They have no sense that 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 God could bless them, and they they're not content with just obedience to God. They have to make a bunch of money. So when money gets in the way and that becomes your driving agenda, and you you are worshiping money. Then it you know the lack of education or knowledge of biblical principles is really it's a secondary thing. Uh, you've got to decide that you believe God indeed cares about business and he has a will for that business. And I need to be engaged in discovering his principles and his will for that business. And I need to line up and obey that. And that's success. And success is not denominated in dollars. It's denominated as obedience to God. And when you get there, then you realize that's the real game. It's not about money. It's about lining up with God
0: it's almost an impossible transition to make in our society because we're so clouded by, by money. And even, I think, a lot of us spiritually default to the idea I can have a greater impact for the kingdom if I'm able to give more money to church. And so even in that mindset of I'm doing this for God, it still comes down to how much can I give God monetarily.
1: Well, that's, that's because we, again, have a dualistic mindset about money. Uh, we think money, uh, we make money, it belongs to us. And then we're going to be very gracious to God and we're going to give to the church or we're going to give to ministries and people. And it's like we have been benevolent to God. And the reality is that who is it that gave you the ability to make that money? Who gave you the opportunity? Who gave you the favor that you needed to make that money? Well, ultimately God gave you everything because God created everything. He owns everything, and he owns you, he owns your money, he owns your house, he owns your car, he owns it all. And we are simply stewards. So when you begin to take on a stewardship mindset, then every dollar you make, you rise, is not yours ultimately. Now you have a responsibility to steward it, but ultimately it belongs to God. But now every 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 decision, now financial decision, becomes a, a question of what is the will of God. And we know it's the will of God that we pay our living expenses. We know it's the will of God that we save. We know it's the will of God that we give. We know it's the will of God that we pay taxes. So we're now doing those things because it is the will of God. And when you begin to do that, you realize, you know, money is just a tool in the in the kingdom of God. It's It's not the end game. And we keep making it the end game because we are greedy people. We're self-oriented people that default to worshiping money. And we've got to we've got to really be fanatical about eradicating that and get very content with the worship of God and obedience to God being what life is all about this dualistic mindset that we have um and you don't recognize that you're a steward uh you you do seem to to feel that when i give money to what we call the non-profit world ministries and charities and churches and people like that that in some way that's that is our responsibility in giving to God and um you know when you have a holistic view of money that all goes away because you think like a steward and everything belongs to the Lord it's and you know that that he wants you to give an account for every penny and that's a scary thought when you think about it cuz i was talking to some people the other day and i said how would how do you think God would respond if he looked at your check register and that you could tell that kind of caught him off guard, like, whoa, you mean he's going to look at that? I said, I suspect he is. So how do you think he's going to respond when he looks at it or when he looks at your credit card bill? How do you think he's going to respond to that? Well, you could tell the conviction on, like, you know, I don't really ask God a lot about what I spend my money on because we have this mindset that, you know, it's my money. So this is where the the concept of stewardship is so important. And that's... When you have a holistic view, then you realize that that stewardship is about all of life. It's not just about what I do with my money relative to nonprofit giving. It's really about every decision I make financially. Another thing we have to understand about God we have a, a presupposition that God needs money to do things. Well, I mean, you stop and think about that, that is just ludicrous. God doesn't need anything, God can create anything He needed, He created this whole universe. If he needs more gold, he can create more gold. If he needs money, he, he can come up with money. That's not a problem. He's got plenty of resources, and he's got all the creative power to, to generate whatever he needs. So the idea that God needs our money is, is really ludicrous. And furthermore, what I, what I find so interesting about the way God works is he many times solves problems without money. And just look at John John chapter 2, where they were needing, uh, needing some wine at this marriage feast. There's no problem. Jesus turns water into wine. Or he's out with a group of people and he's he's speaking, sharing the kingdom of God with them, and it's late in the day and they're hungry and there's no no food around, so he he multiplies bread and fishes. Or, you know, he needs to walk across a lake, he walks across a lake. You know, God is supernatural and we we keep thinking that he he's limited to natural causes. Natural causes natural cause and effect and he's not he's very creative in how he gets things done so money is just a it's just a tool it's just a resource and in many ways money is a test it's a test of really where your heart is do you really have a heart to obey God and do his will or are you going to be driven by greed and so I think part of getting a holistic view of life is really getting a holistic view of money and particularly becoming realizing that we are stewards of everything. And everything includes three key key things. You steward your time, you steward your talent, and you steward your treasure. Those three things. And I suspect we're going to give an account on all three of those. So the question is, if God were to look at my daytimer, would he be pleased? If God were to look at the talents and how I've deployed those talents, would he be pleased? And if he looks at the the resources he's given to me, the financial resources he's given to me, would he be pleased? So that's the question. Success is what Jesus said when he spoke to the Father in the great high priestly prayer of John 17. He says to the Father, Father, I brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you've given me to do. I would think every Christian wants to be able to say that. And then... At the end of your life, hopefully you will hear, well done.
0: And it's very easy to begin this process of combating this ignorance simply by going to your website. There's a ton of free audio there that will keep you occupied for a good long time to wrap your head around this. And then there are other options when you're ready to progress even further. So visit strategieswork.com and you will really have more information than you'll know what to do with at first. But it's a great place to start. Working through this and really start understanding that this is going to be kind of like drinking from a fire hose at first. You got to spend some time. You got to let it soak in, and then you're available uh, to to dialogue with and to help them move on to the next level.
1: Yeah, and this is a paradigm shift, which is why you need to be prepared for it to be challenging. It's not real complicated material, but it's so different from what most of us have learned about Christianity that it's going to take time to really absorb it. Get the book. Read my book, Beyond Babel. Begin to listen to the audio. And I encourage you to start coming to some of the seminars. I do seminars about every two or three months on various topics. They all relate to a biblical worldview of work, of life, business, of community, education, etc. All these different things. I just did Biblical Worldview of Investing this past weekend. Powerful time you could see in the room paradigm shifts going on. There were people there from all over the country paid to come in and participate in this seminar, and it was just dynamite to see the hunger for God's truth and a, a truly a fresh and a more clear understanding of how to live and worship God in everything we do, including how we invest.
0: Well, and what I saw from that seminar, just talking to some of these folks, and it goes across all of your seminars is excitement, new excitement, because they realize that what they can do has value to God. And, I mean, there is no other feeling in the world like that.
1: Yes. I think there's something within all of us that we desire to know that we count. And the paradigm of Christianity that's that's common in the world today suggests that if you're not in vocational ministry, you're not a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist, or a Bible teacher, if you're not one of those, you really don't count. And to see that that is a lie, that you really count that God made you with intent and purpose, and when you go to your local church, you're going there to get equipped to go out and do the ministry that God's assigned to you, and it's valuable, and he cares about it, it is exciting. It's exciting to know that I count. Everybody wants to know they count, and know that when they get to the end of the line, they weren't just there to make money for the church they were there to do god's will every day and wherever their assignment was whatever environment he put them in because he created them he valued them he's equipped them he's released them he blesses them because that's what he does he values his creation
0: all right well we thank you for your time today dr chester and we thank you for all the educational material that you provide and we look forward to more to come thank you very much